Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and blessings. Waiting for the host to call in now. You're listening to Black Urban America. And today we have Earl Morgan, a noted and worldwide journalist. And we're waiting for our host to call in now. And oftentimes, Good morning, Black Urban America. How are you this morning? This is Kenneth Jones. Good morning, Iola. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah. Darling. I didn't say darling. I said yeah. I said Iola. How are you this morning? How was your week? It was uh, phenomenal. I'm meeting some real kings in uh, Augusta, Georgia. Really? Some real yes. teens? You mean teenagers? Kings. 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 Yeah, all our people queens. are kings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes me a king too, right? I wonder where I'm king of. <laughs> I got to have a castle or something, right? <laughs> Nah, nah. Um, before my guests come on, uh, I just else. wanted to uh, inter- interrupt for a minute, Kenneth. I want yeah. to introduce you to Queen Oshun Ede. Who's that? Great greetings, greetings, King. How are you? And urban greetings. Black America. Yes. Black urban yes, America, right at you. That's right. That's what it's about. And when we realize that we are the chosen ones who were born here on the bottom of slave ships, then we can get up and raise a nation. And so we salute you for what you are doing, giving people a platform, our people in particular, a platform to come and speak about what's really going on. Why is it that our people at this point in the game is still not, you know, uh, landowners that feed the multis of our people? And why it is we're not educating our children in our own schools. We can complain about what's going on in America, but what are we doing to change it? And this is something that me and the ear, I call her Queen Mother for real, real. What we have been discussing is the uh, chemical warfare. You know, since I've chemical warfare been going on a long time. Exactly. And you know what that chemical warfare is funded by the pharmaceutical business. As well as the mm-hmm. government. And, oh, well, and I just yeah. well, they're backed up. They all one. They yeah. all is one. And when right. you find our people flipping off off of, you know, these schizophrenic, you know, energies and these bipolar energies, this is what the man put in an artificial sound wave. And then he went in and messed with the brains by giving the right. people in the 40 lobotomy. My mother was a part of that. So I speak very passionate about lobotomy and these great jackets and these psychological, you know, houses that they put people in to taunt them. All four, they don't want the chosen people to stand up. And so Let me that's ask you something, my sister. Since, yeah. since, since you on that subject, right, I was going to yeah. ask you something else. I was going to say something else, but since you on that subject, 
about yes. medication, uh, messing up with our brain, our brains, and what have you, and the chemicals in our brain. Let me ask you something. Right. What do you think yes, about? Sir. What do you think about the clinical atmosphere that is imposed on in our communities? Clinical services well, like psychologists and psychiatric services and what have you. Well, uh, it's just the continuation of what they have always done, conquer and destroy. And like I said, you know, what we say is that it's chemical warfare. I would think they need no more drugs, no more pills. What they needed to return back to uh, herbs and to the mother that would give them all the herbs they need to balance. And so these clinics that are being set up is nothing more than another uh, another doorway to uh, further entrap them in slavery and so they had us enslaved physically bound you know to one area one plantation now the, the, the it's still the same it's still slavery but it's now is the mind so they set up these clinics so that the pharmaceutical business can make their money because if you notice all the little pills are all in what they call experiment you can't even right. go to court. You can't even sue these people because it's as is. Like when you go get a lemon or you go get a car off of a, a lot that has been used, you buy it as is. You take these people medicine, guinea pig, experimentation, just like they did, you know, down in Alabama where they have done in all of the populated places where our people have been and putting them on these medicines and shooting them up with these, you know, these uh, what they call it, immunization shots. Mm-hmm. You know, allowing them into our blood. So, no, I don't think that these clinics that they are shutting up is not for the further and not for the advancement of a human, of a people. It is really to continue to keep them crippled. I was looking at a program of these five women that they had given this bipolar medicine to. Mm-hmm. And one woman said, you know, circle, she said, uh, they said, well, how do you feel? So none of them couldn't really talk because it will make you, it happy when you can't talk. But if one woman, she said it. She said, I can't hear my ancestors talking no more. She <laughs> 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 let you know. Well, let, let, me ask you let me ask mm-hmm. you, what is your uh, perspective? Well, I heard a lot of different views about Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. What is your perspective on Planned Parenthood? Well, you have to bring me up to date. I've been so busy marketing my new children's uh, book, and I'm a natural. Uh, they said Planned Parenthood really is the, huh? They said Planned Oh, we'll talk about me another day, but go ahead. They said Planned Parenthood is really uh, 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 for low-income women, African-American yes, yes, women. Yes, yes, yes. My guest just came okay. on. Okay, we can answer that question. I, I got you have a me and you, me and you, sister, we got to talk. I like this dialogue. Hey, hey, schedule her Absolutely. for the third Tuesday in November. Uh, 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 schedule her for the third Tuesday in, in November. Uh, huh? Absolutely. Schedule her for the third yeah, Tuesday. And then I got to call you later get her name. Because you said some name I can't pronounce. All right? So I got Mr. Morgan on the line? Yes, we do. We have Mr. Earl Morgan on the line. Good morning, Mr. Earl Morgan. How are you, sir? 
All right, fine. Uh, are you, I'm fine, thank you. Um, I've been reading your articles for the past 30 years, so I'm a little biased. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm glad I, I got you on my show on my own merit. You know my brother as Top. You and him oh, joined yeah. the campus together. Hello? Yes. Yeah, that's my big brother. Matter of fact, he was at his funeral a few years ago. Yeah, so I'm glad that, uh, to have you on. And uh, I've been following you for years. So let's get down to it. Yeah, all right. Um, yes. Can you tell our audience about a little bit about your background in journalism? Well, I've been doing it for a long time, about 40 years. Mm-hmm. Started out as a, uh, actually I got into journalism. I was a singer first on the singing group, and I made a record and did all of that and managing groups and stuff. And then I started writing about the business, and I uh, wrote about this in the 60s, uh-huh. And you know, I wrote about mostly R and B, just about everybody, Motown, Isaac Hayes, uh, Al Green, Supremes, you name it. Patty Don't Lavelle. forget I, about the Manhattan's. Well, yeah, I did them. I did. A, I can't remember them all, man. There were hundreds of them, so I'm just, uh-huh. you know, just winging it from the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a lot of people, and. Uh, I sort of got tired of that, and I went into hard news. I started writing for a small paper called Dust of Dawn, which was really a bar sheet. Got hired to do hard news. Turned mm-hmm. out some pretty good pieces. Got a couple of investigations going from the prosecutor's office on methadone program. And, uh, right. And I moved around to a couple of other small publications, magazines, monthlies, weeklies. Then I landed at the Dispatch, which was the... Yeah, I remember newspaper in Jersey City, which was the competition for the journal. Mm-hmm. And from there, I went to finally, uh, I got hired at the journal, and I was there for 32 years. I'm still writing a column for that paper, but uh, I don't. I'm not actually on staff anymore. I retired. Yeah. About six years, about eight years ago now. Right, right, right. I remember when you retired. When you, mm-hmm. when you retired, I had just came back into the area for Philadelphia. Uh huh. Uh, so, uh, tell me something. How has journalism changed? I mean, like, I'm just getting some background before I get into the meat and potatoes of the interview. How has journalism changed over the years? Well, it hasn't really. It's the same journalism that I've always known. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, if you're good at what you do, then if you, you, you know, depending on what your beat is and what you, you know, what your, uh, what you're assigned to do, you go out and you, you get the story, you come back and you write it. That was the way it was, and that's essentially in newspapers, that's the way it's, it's the Times and the Daily News or the Post, that's still the same thing. If it's television, mm-hmm. but, but you get the story and you get on camera and you report it. That's essentially what it is. You know. um, what has changed is that the, on television news, it's become a profit center. For years, the news was not a place to make money. Now, on right. the profit center, that, that affects the news somewhat because now they're trying to figure out ways to make money and get commercials on their shows. So that has a that has some influence on television. Uh, and what has changed on what the, the television journalism is? You know, CNN is right down the middle. 
Mm-hmm. MSNBC is left wing. Fox is right wing. And there are a couple of other what I call Fox Light stations that have come on lately. Uh, and then there's Al Jazeera, which is a very, very good uh, television journalism. The other thing that's happened is these <laughs> newspapers are slowly dying out. The internet is killing them, and mm-hmm. uh, they're laying off staff. Most papers have shrunk uh, substantially. There are a lot of online papers, uh, Huffington Post, the uh, BuzzFeed, you've got dozens of them now, Sleep Magazine, you've got many, many of them. Uh, and you've got the Grio, which does black uh, news, and you've got uh, the Root, which does black magazine, which does black topics, I'm sure there's others. You also have blogs, which right. are people who just more or less give their opinion in a blog. Uh, the difference is that you can't always trust that sort of thing because you you don't know how, you can't, there's no way to know whether or not what you're getting is the true picture or the facts, it's very difficult to know. Uh, whereas in the newspaper, you have all kinds of editing and fact-checking to make sure that what you're putting out there for the public to see is accurate. Well, can a writer do his her own fact-checking? That's If you go out and get a story and you turn it in, they assume you've got the facts. Otherwise, they would not hire you, or they will fire you. you no, I'm talking about the blog, the one on the blog. Well, sure, they can do it, but, that, but, but what you don't have is, as the reader, you don't have any uh, you don't have any way to know that what you're getting is accurate. There's a lot of junk on the, on the Internet, and right. there's no way to check it out. So, uh, you know, this is, I said this, and he said... Usually when a reporter goes out, he identifies the sources. No, he identifies where he got his facts. Right. There is a thing in the business where you don't, you don't, you may have to make a, uh, do a story and the source doesn't want to be identified. And in, in a case like that, you can't use their name or identify them. That means that you have to do extra work to make sure that what you're being told by the source is the truth. You have to check it out. And if it checks out, then you should write it. If it doesn't check out, you should stay away from it. Right. You need to know that what you're doing, at least that's the way I was taught to do it. Okay. Now, since you mentioned the right wing, the moderate, <coughs> I think it's, it's time to really go into what I really want to ask you. Um, uh, you know we're in the, poly, uh, um, in the campaign season. How is it important for black people to vote? Well, I don't pretend to tell black people how to vote. Uh, that's that's a decision they have to make on their own. Mm-hmm. What The only thing that I am concerned about is that we have what the media has a tendency to call low-information voters, and they're white and they're black. They're mm-hmm. people who don't pay attention. Uh, I'm, I'm always struck that the first the, the debate for the Democratic Party mm-hmm. candidates tonight <clears throat> and they're saying over and over again on the media that this is a chance for Bernie, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bernie, Saunders, yeah. Bernie mm-hmm. Saunders to introduce himself to people who don't know him. And I, it's hard for me to see after the last several months 
mm-hmm. how you couldn't know them unless you've been in a cave. And in the walls and ceiling of that cave, all that is there is the Real Housewives of Walla Walla, Washington, and right. a lot of other what I call junk TV. And you're not trying to find anything out. Because it's hard if you ever watch a news program in this day not to know who Bernie Saunders and Hillary Clinton and Ben Carson and the rest of these people are. And it's important that you know because they're going to make the one of them is going to make decisions that are going to influence your life. What's wrong? What I find bad in the black community, what I find is the real problem in the black community in terms of news is our disinterest in all of that. And uh, because we have so many issues with low information voters who don't try to find out what's going on and who are very young, young, young ladies, young girls mm. with babies who don't have any education or don't have very much education and aren't trying to get very much education mm. for themselves or their children, we have a, we have a problem. They're living in a 10, a 10 block bubble in whatever mm-hmm. community they're in. And what's going on outside of that 10 blocks, and I mean that 10 block, is not relevant to them. I see, I see this quite often when I go and talk to the schools or when I talk to the kids in the schools and wonder why they're like they are, why they're so many issues, and then you find if you want to know what's really wrong, not the teachers, which, yeah, there are some bad teachers, there are some very right. good ones, but if you go home, you'll find out the problem. Go home with them. You'll find out what's wrong. Yeah. That's usually the seat of where the problem is. Yeah. <coughs> with uh, so, all the young men, all our young men in jail, I'll give you an yeah. example example of how it affects us in a very real way, very basic way. Mm-hmm. Uh, young black men don't know how to tie a tie. And that may seem like, so what? But the reason they don't know how to tie a tie is like most young men learn to tie a tie from their fathers. Right. Well, there are no fathers to teach them. Or grandfather or uncle, some father right. figure in the and, home. And, well, and now you're looking at 40-year-old grandmothers. So, right. and with whose who's significant other or insignificant other is in jail. So we filled up the jails, we've taken, we filled them up with, with black men. We know all about the incarceration issue. Right. And that is a very small but real thing. The other thing I find that has happened to our people that really concerns me mightily is after all of the effort that went into black people having dignity and taking their place in the world and the country as men and women, our young people want to be niggas. I hate to use that word, but yeah. I can't think of anybody to get around well, it. I preach about that almost every week, uh, Mr. Morgan. And it, it, is, it is really, it's to the point that we've given every other group permission to use that term. They use it. They use it like they're drinking water. I know, and... But if you see some Hispanic kids yelling, you know, this nigga, this nigga, that, but, you know, and they do use it. Now go up to them and call them sticks and see what kind of a fight you're going to have. Yeah. So we are the only people who have let ourselves be denigrated like that. Uh, and I, I blame the elders, including me. Obviously, we didn't do our job because we right. teach our, our, our youngsters who they are and what they're about. We know so little about our history. 
despite all the books that are being read, despite all the people writing. And the other piece of that is I'm running into young people now who tell me very proudly, uh, Mr. Morgan, I know you're a journalist, but I don't read. They actually right. say that. Uh, it's very difficult for me to uh, to understand why, in, in my day, if you couldn't read or you didn't read, you certainly didn't advertise it. Right. Because you would look ignorant. Right. Uh, somehow or other, they don't, we, they don't see reading and knowledge as, as, as important as, I don't know, the Knicks or the Cavaliers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Who's who in fantasy football? Right. And, you know, these are things you have to know how to do to get along in a society. Or you're going to be, as we are, left out and left back behind everyone else. Right. Those are the kinds of issues that really concern me. They really do because you can't have any. You can't have a a, a SNCC or a, a SCLC or even a a Nation of Islam or a Black Panther Party without people who are literate and uh, seeking knowledge and trying to find out what's going on. Those kinds of movements are very difficult to launch. Thank goodness for Black Lives Matter. Right. At least we can see that there is some movement towards getting, uh, you know, to correcting some things. But that's all internet-driven, very much. Which right. Which is a good thing because there's so much, so much detritus on the internet. Some days I wonder why anybody even bothers with it. It's a great communication tool if you want to use it that way. Uh, but. You need to read. You need to know what's going on, who you are, what your history is, right? where the world is going. It is hard for me to understand how you can be a human being, a conscious, sentient human being, and not want to know those things. That problem in our community is really, 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 it's a real challenge to us to do something about that. I have a couple more questions. Now, um... What do you think about the local politics of Jersey City and the state of New Jersey? Well, uh, I write about that quite often. I know you do. Uh, That's why I'm asking you, Mr. Well, we now have a new mayor, uh, Steve Fulop. But we don't have a new mayor. What do you think Steve Fulop is faring in the black community at this time? Well, he's not doing too well. Uh, He's in a lot of trouble. I'm not sure that he knows or really, I hope he cares. I'm, I can't tell. The problem we have with our mayors, not only this current mayor, but all of them, they have no eyes and ears out in the street. Everything is in City Hall. The, the, the city revolves around them instead of us, their particular place, their particular, and, and Steve wants to be governor. I mean, it was... He's always been coy about that, but last week he fired the black freeholder, Jerry Balmere, because mm-hmm. his wife went to work for Steve Sweeney, who was going to also try to run for mayor, I mean governor, rather. Right. And, uh, you know, both of them are Democrats, so what is he angry at uh, Balmere's wife for going to work for Sweeney, unless it's about her going to an enemy camp, even though they're both Democrats? Uh, right. And he, he 
more or less told Balmir off about that. It's become a very big issue throughout the state. That's one thing. The other thing is that everything in the mayor's office is destined to be city hall driven uh, or downtown driven. Everything is downtown. This is downtown. If you watch uh, Channel One, which is our so-called municipal channel, I I, I tend to tongue-in-cheek call it the mayor's channel because mm-hmm. except for the council meetings, there's nothing but the mayor holding another microphone to someone who has a new art gallery or bistro or restaurant. Can you hold? Can you hold a minute? Yes. Uh, yeah, so, um, I'm sorry. Hello? Yes, I'm yes. here. Uh, we talk about we downtown. Have, everything is surrounded everything by downtown. Everything is, is about downtown. Uh, and that's understandable because it's the, you know, they spent $80 million to, they gave two billionaires $80 million mm-hmm. uh, in the 1990s when Jerry McCann was the mayor. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah. Uh, urban Development Action Grant money, and, mm-hmm. the, and the investment paid off. $80 million in the 1990s was a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. Right. But there's no such investment being made in Ward F or in black communities. There's no investment being made. And the crime is a serious issue. Police protection is a serious issue. Uh, the, the school system is a serious issue because we have two school systems, one uh, north of Montgomery Street and one south of Montgomery Street. The one south right. of Montgomery Street is where black people are. And that's right. where most of the problem schools are. And there, there's very little emphasis on doing anything about that. Uh, and the so how come our councilman, how come our councilwoman is not trying to implement change in War F? Well, if well, you have a councilwoman, does, don't they? We have they? two black people on the city council. We have a uh, black. We have a black uh, assembly person, uh, or we will have soon. Uh, in the in the in the uh, in Angela McKnight, who is now the uh, candidate for the council. Election, yeah, I know. Uh, assembly election, and yeah. we have uh, Sandy Cunningham, who is the state senator. Uh, well, here, here's my. My critique of our so-called black, well, are not a so-called, they are black elected officials, mm-hmm. but they don't talk to each other. I mean, They don't talk the shape, to each other? No, don't they don't. Don't they go to the I mean, same functions I, and the let, meetings? Let me explain what I mean about that. Uh-huh. Considering the kind of condition our community is in, you would think that they would be having, at least with, the, with each other, monthly meetings to say we have to, develop an agenda and we have to change this. Um, we have to do something. We have to get together and make a move on our communities to to, uh, to improve our situation. But they don't do that. The other thing, of course, is that, and this is sort of the real problem for years, the Democratic Party decides who our so-called black elected officials are going to be. They I didn't know that. They're going to run on the on their tickets for councilman, right. councilwoman, council person at large, freeholder, 
and you know, it's kind of silly to believe that they're going to run someone who's going to give them a headache and cause them problems and agenda by screaming about the conditions in the community. So they elect people who are quote unquote reasonable colored people. They're not going to make that kind of noise. Now, every now and then the system doesn't work, and we'll get a council person who will shake it up. Uh, we had a Melissa Holloway who who was uh, ran on Brett Shumlin's ticket, and when he ran for mayor, they all won. She won, and she broke with the administration, and she was a thorn in the mayor's side for the entire two years, two terms she had. And to show you that it isn't that you have to, what the mayor says. Melissa ran as an independent. She, you know, when it was time to, for the four years for Shundler was up and he wanted a second four years, and he ran again, he did not run Melissa Holloway because she was clearly, you know, a nemesis for him at that time. So he ran someone else. Melissa ran as an independent, meaning she had not the the muscle, the clout, and the money of the Hudson County Democratic Organization behind her campaign. But she won. Right. Which tells you that it's possible to do that if you have the guts, the, the determination to do it. But we elect people who agree with the mayor, and they don't see their role as stepping out and making any waves. So if Balmere gets himself in trouble with the mayor over his wife's job, and there's a lot of talk about it all over the state. I mean, the Black Issues Convention two weeks ago, it was a major topic. However, in Hudson County, it doesn't raise a ripple because he has done nothing, to, in my opinion. He has done very little, if anything, that we can identify to make a difference in his community. He hasn't called them together. They haven't done anything. We have a, a thing called the Crowson study. Mm-hmm. It's a disparity study. It's a study paid for by the, the taxpayers of Jersey City. It is designed to show where minorities have been excluded from purchasing and contracts that are, are, are generated by the city. The study right. went back nine years and found out that, you know, surprise, surprise, all minorities had been left out. Oh, well, really? I'm that was. Yeah. I'm that was done during the Coochie administration. I'm in I the mean, yeah, I'm sorry, not the, the Jeremiah Healy administration. Healy yeah. sat on it for three or four years. We didn't know the, that the study existed. And uh, when Fuller came in, he was in a, a year. I found out about it, and I began to agitate and write columns about it. And finally, he did do something. He created what they call the disparity study committee, a group of people who were supposed to study the study and make some recommendations. Well, that was nine months ago in February. We are now, you know, rounding the middle of October, and there's nothing. We have no idea what's going on in that committee, which is which is uh, chaired by our councilwoman, uh, Diane Coleman. Oh, right. She has said nothing. I've asked her about it. Uh, she told me a month ago that there would be something on the, uh, the agenda in a September council meeting. It never happened. We still don't know. I'm now hearing that uh, they're looking at it and they're trying to figure it out. What, uh, what bothers me about this is that the, the, the firm that did this study 
said that if they had issues with implementing the recommendations, and there's a group of recommendations in this study to uh, right the situation, to alleviate these and mitigate these disparities, but they did not call them back and ask them for any help. Instead, they would, Diane tells me the, the committee meets one hour a month. What? One hour? 60 minutes? That's what she said. One hour a month. That's I have one more question. I have one last question. Okay. One last question. To sum up what you've been saying about these local black politicians, and these local black politicians, politicians in Jersey City is just a representation of what goes off across black urban America. Yes, how I agree we can't, with that. Huh? I agree with that. Yeah. How can we get these politicians, especially our politicians that look like us, I mean, when we when, when, when black folks go out there and really pull that lever for you, they're saying, you know, we're sending you there on our behalf. Please try to do something. How can we get these politicians, all these politicians, to be in tune to our needs in the urban communities? Well, that's a complicated question. Yeah, you know, I mean, you got one minute to try to end, sum you it got, up. You waited till the end of the show for that one. I can't do that. First of all, if I had that answer, I could probably make myself several million dollars. Second okay. of all, the problem is that we don't have the money. Our community is not backing them financially. To run a to run a campaign takes money. And right. remember that you have to win in the freeholders district and many council areas where there are just there are more than just black people. So you have to be able to uh, to uh, to appeal to all of the other uh, parts of the voter uh, the voters uh, community, and we're not helping out. With, they're not coming. They're not able to come to us and get the money they need. We're not generating any money like that. We're not generating the funds. We're not. I have a saying about where black people are, and it's a saying I borrowed from Malcolm X. Malcolm once said, black people are like the wolf, they have to unpack. We mm -hmm. tend to think that we can do it individually. We're lone wolves individually. We don't have the power to do that. A pack of wolves can bring down a buck, a deer, right. a buck deer. That's why they travel in packs. A lone wolf cannot do it by himself. We tend to think that we can, and we get angry with each other, Always petty disputes and grudges of something that happened in 1954 or something, and we don't want to deal with each other. Well, you know, that's okay, I suppose, but you don't get any change generated that way. Everybody else has known, has learned a lesson. You have to move in a group. Other ethnic groups do. We don't. Yes. And there is how you how you remedy that. I have. I only have some notions. But I don't think that, uh, that that's going to be, it's going to take a long time. Well, Mr. Morgan, please keep writing. Maybe you can answer that question in your column or in the series or what have you. Uh, it's been educational, and I think our audience uh, learned a lot from you, and I thank you for coming on. You're welcome. And I will stay in contact with you, Mr. Morgan. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. There you have it, folks, another show. Uh, I just want to piggyback on what Mr. Morgan has said. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm going to discuss the Mean Man March that happened. Uh, uh, last Saturday was the 20th anniversary of the Mean Man March. 
I went to the first one. I went to the original one in 1995, October 16th. And this is 20 years later. 20 years later. Let's look at our conditions. And, you know, maybe I went there with high expectations. I met brothers from around the world. It was more, it was two million brothers, two million black men from Europe, from the Caribbean, from Canada, from all across the nation. And we all went home. For what? Like, the situation, the condition got worse. Now, instead of, uh, you know, Farrakhan took a, a page out of Dr. King's book. You know, with Dr. King era, he sent in the troops, organized, mobilized, he came in through a speech where he left, the troops stayed to continue to organize, mobilize, and to implement the agenda and the plan that Dr. King had. Farrakhan just gave a speech. What are we supposed to do with the words? What are we supposed to do with that speech? You need to send your troops in to these urban communities or wherever there's a whole bunch of black folks and teach them what you want us to do. That's how leadership does. And same with these politicians. They come out once in four years, ask for our folks, we push them, we back them. Things are going to be a new brighter day. It ain't nothing four years later. It ain't nothing 20 years later. And I also don't know. I know what the problem is. And I know what the solution is. But like Mr. Morgan said, it's going to take a series. And this is one of the solutions. Bringing on people with different theories, different ideas. For And I bet you every black student, every black collision should listen to my show every Tuesday to learn something about their culture, learn what it needs to be done so it could be a better day. Because our better day right now is thinking like, oh, we got to be like Massa. We got to live like, well, I shouldn't say Massa. We got to live like them. We got to do like they do. Instead of having our own culture, our own identity. Like Mr. Morgan said, one time we had our own thinking process. What is it now? We got these revolutionary uh, hustlers out there once every 10 years, once every four years, round, making the call, and there's nothing afterwards. You know, black folks, we got to stop drinking the bug juice and stop letting media select our leaders and tell us who should we follow. Let's select our own leaders. Well, that's another week. Uh, As usual, I am because we are. We are because I am. I'm out, Black Urban America. Peace.